Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm Pastor Josh DeLaRosa and we're in a series of messages looking at the topic of community. And it seems like people are really ready to jump back into being together again. And, and if you have come around our church in the past, uh, some of our events are the ways that we often connect with people, maybe for the first time. And so maybe you checked out uh, our movie nights in the park recently or you've been to some of our events recently. So we'd just like to welcome you to Exploring Orange Crest Community Church. We meet in the Orange Crest part of Riverside. And, you know, it's really important as we talk about community that we understand why. In anything in life, it's really important that we start with the why. For example, if if I'm starting to think through making changes to my life, maybe it's health concerns or maybe it's changes to my relationships or the way that I use money and time. Uh, if I don't start with the why, I quickly uh, lose track of what I'm doing and I lose the motivation of why I even began to try to adopt these changes. But whenever I start with the why and I really fully understand it, then I'm able to keep moving forward and keep bringing changes, keep identifying areas of growth in my life. A huge heart shift occurred in my heart when I really have come to believe some things. One of them is that life is a gift. If I, once I decided that, uh, Life is more than just a uh, accident. Once I realized, no, it's, it's actually a gift, then all of a sudden the motivation is there. And that changes the way that I use my time, the way that I see everything in life. Life really matters if I see that life is a gift. That's one of those whys. Another why that was like a light bulb for me early on in life was people are eternal. At a certain point, I probably didn't really consider that. But once I became convinced that there's more to me and you than just the flesh and bones, but that there's actually an eternal aspect of of who we are, there's a soul that will live on, then loving people and sharing with people about eternal matters, that actually makes a difference uh, because I understand the why. So if you start with the why, then uh, you know how true knowing the why is is to you personally. And, and think about this in relationship to a whole group. Like if you're exploring our church and you're wondering, why, why should I participate in this church, OCC? Well, I want to raise some of our issues related to the why we exist. Why do we band together? Uh, we have a common mission. We're in this series of messages called community. And the word community, it's, it's two words. It's common and unity. And so we actually have some things that we share in common that we band around. One of those, last week we talked about, is our common hope in Jesus. This week I want to look at our common mission and how, because of our common mission, that is the why that provides the power and the motivation and it gives us unity to move forward together as a group. It's amazing what a group can do. All sorts of power and opportunity flows when a group decides to unite together around something. So what is a mission? Here's a definition for us. A mission is an important assignment carried out for religious purposes. Specifically, I'm thinking in terms of a church. So now you can have a mission for the military, a mission for a business. But for us, our mission, it's an important assignment. 
and we're on a mission together. Now, the mission defines what do we want people to actually do here? What's the assignment that we have around here as a church? Whether it's when we gather in large group uh, on Sunday or when we break down into even smaller groups. We want to, to consider what are we to do here? Now, our specific mission at OCC is this. It's inviting people to take their next steps with Jesus. What I want to do briefly in our time is I want to break down our mission into three parts. The invitation piece, the next step piece, and Jesus. Uh, So there's, again, you'll see that mission there on the screen. I want to break it down into those three areas. So let's first begin with the idea of invitation. Now, invitation is very important. When you think about marketing, marketing tactics involves and strategy involves trying to attract people through slick marketing to come to your church or to come to your business or to come to your university or, or whatever we or to purchase this product you know marketing typically is focused on attraction it's trying to get people to draw in now inviting people is another way that people move towards a group or to a school or to a community or to a purchase uh, inviting people personally is is one way that people move towards action or to involvement. But it's very different when you think about invitation versus uh, marketing and the attraction that that brings. And I want to look at some of the invitations that people used when it involved inviting others or introducing others to Jesus. And I want us to sort of zero in on the power of personal invitation because it is important. Think about your own life. Think about some of the things that you have chosen to be a part of and how the power of invitation was a factor in whether or not you participated or, or, or didn't. Uh, for example, I was recently invited to a movie and I had seen advertisements of this movie. It's a thriller. And I don't generally watch thriller movies. I'm not generally... Uh, I don't want to pay money to be frightened. I don't want to pay money to be kept up at night and scared. Uh, I don't want to be, you know, I don't like to be on the edge of my seat and, and you know, ready for that jumpy scene. I, I'm not generally interested in thriller movies. But, so, even though I received advertisements, you know, I'd seen movie posters, and I'd seen, uh, you know, the actual film imagery for the last you know, year, this is a, a newer uh, set of films. There's a part one and a part two. Uh, none of the advertisements, the imagery, drew me in. I, I, that didn't entice me to want to go watch a thriller to get scared. And so typically, it's going to take more than that. Now, what it took recently for me to actually watch a thriller, which has been years be- since I've watched a thriller movie, I actually watched a thriller this past week for the first time in a couple of years. And the reason why is because I was actually invited by someone. Uh, I even, it was a part two of a film, and I'm not going to tell you the film, but it was a part two. And since it was a part two, and everyone was talking about part one, I needed all of these other, I needed the storyline, I needed the part one context, the characters, because part two wouldn't have made as much sense. And so uh, we'd been invited to a movie, the next day uh, for a a birthday and I thought well we want to go they took the time to invite us so let's go and we were excited to be there but 
then I needed to get ready. So I ended up staying up the night before the movie around midnight to watch part one of this thriller. <laughs> so my wife and I watched part one of this thriller. We were on the edge of our seats there watching it. And then in the theater the next day, we're on the edge of our seats watching it. And again, I wouldn't have went if it weren't for the power of, of invitation. Someone took the time. And because I care about them, then I, of course I want to come. I want to be there. Now, the same thing would go to different areas of my life, certainly for your life. For example, the gym. You might be the kind of person that it requires an invitation to join a gym or to go to the gym regularly. If someone says, hey, I'll meet you at the gym, then some of you, because you've been invited, you will not stand them up. But mailing advertisements about people with these um, you know, real fit bodies or, or emails talking about, you know, don't you want to be in shape? Don't you want to live longer? You feel healthier? Those advertising tools may have no effect on you, but if a friend that you trust and knows, you know, you care about them, they care about you, says, hey, let's go to the gym, we'll support each other to do this, you know, it's high likely, it's of high likelihood that you'll actually show up at the gym on time and you'll be there and you'll be steady and consistent. The power of invitation, so many things in life I would have never done or even ever tried without someone actually personally inviting me. Now, that's just true of, of, as I look at my life and think back, that is also true in the Bible of people who were introduced to Jesus. There are some key stories. I want to highlight a few. First, in John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42, a man named Andrew invited Simon Peter to meet Jesus. And so, take a look at this passage. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. There's a man named John. He's a disciple uh, or he was a, a prophet that God used to prepare people for Jesus. And John had a few disciples, some people that followed John. And so Andrew and Simon Peter were amongst this man, John the Baptist's disciples. And so it says, Andrew first, in verse 41, first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. This word is the one that, God's anointed one that, that, that God had sent and that everyone was waiting for, the one that would save God's people. The Messiah has come. And so Andrew's declaring, we found him, the one we've been waiting for. And it says he brought Simon to Jesus. So there was an invitation. At a certain point, Andrew decides to invite Peter, Simon Peter, who would later come. Here's another example, John chapter 1, uh, verse 43. So just the next set of verses, Philip decides to invite uh, Nathaniel. Says the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and he found Philip and told him, "Follow me." Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathaniel and told him, "We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth." And look at the response from Nathaniel: "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" "Come and see," Philip answered. So again, this is the power of invitation. It wasn't advertising. It wasn't signage. It wasn't just even the fact that uh, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the prophecies, there was all sorts of uh, uh, verses that highlighted and, and, and prophecies that declared the Messiah would come, the Savior would come. So there were... There, there were indicators that this was part of God's plan, but the power of the personal invitation is being used here. Uh, Philip takes the time to invite. 
Andrew takes the time to invite. And so when it comes to invitation, I want us to think about this. There are some factors. One of the factors is who's inviting. Who is, who is actually doing the inviting? What's that relationship? And then second, do I trust them? Do I trust the inviter? Do I trust the person who is sending me the invitation or calling me or texting me this invitation? There's power in that. Or another one, what's in it for me? That's certainly a question people are asking when they're invited to anything. What's in it for me? What's the, what's the personal benefit this brings or the risk involved? And then fourth, am I open? That's a factor. Uh, there needs to be an openness uh, for an invitation to actually take root in a person to take steps forward. So these factors actually come into play when we're receiving the invitation. Someone invites us to uh, participate in something or to take action in something or to attend something. All of those factors come into play, but it also those factors are important when we're the one doing the inviting. And I know you might be watching this and maybe you're on the on the side of the person who's received an invitation to explore Christianity. Maybe you're checking things out at OCC, our church, for the first time. Maybe this is new to you. And so those factors may very well be playing into whether or not how you're tuning in and how you're engaging with this message or, or our church. Uh, on the other hand, you might be the person watching who's already a Christ follower and you're thinking through, how can I use the relationships I have to extend an invitation because I care about the people in my life and I want them to experience uh, what I've encountered in Christ and the changes that God has brought to me. So that's just some about the power of invitation. Now, I want us to think about how to pair your invitation with your own personal story. There's some things that has happened in your own life, some encounters you've had with God. And maybe you just sort of look at your life as a journey of, Here's when I was born. Here's the people that God brought into my life. Here's when I became aware of who God was. Here's when I realized I had uh, uh, a default to going my own way in life. And and I felt guilt over that and convicted that of my sin, my wrongdoing. And here's the point where uh, I became aware of what God had done in the person of Jesus. Well, that the, some of those points are part of our story. And no one can argue with the story of what God has done in, in your life. A lot of people have a lot of fear about sharing our faith. We're, we're, we're concerned. What if, what if we don't know how to, how to answer people's questions? What if someone asks me a question about Christianity, about the Bible, about Jesus, that I can't answer? Well, I would encourage you to continue to dig into the Bible if you're a Christ follower. Continue to get questions answered that you come upon. Don't just get stumped. Actually, uh, Look for answers. Seek answers. Seek the truth. Follow the truth. But also, take note of the story of God in your life. Sort of look at those milestones where you saw God working. You see, here's the person I was and here's the person I am now. And the big factor is God has made a change in my life. And no one can argue with your story and what you've experienced as you relate to God. And that's important for us to understand how to pair um, invitation with story. Now, look at this example, John chapter 4. So a few chapters later, there's a woman who who most people knew in this town. There was this gal, she was uh, drawing water from a well, and she met Jesus there. And Jesus uh, began to have a conversation with her, which was very unusual. Uh, She was, uh, for, for a few reasons, one is because there was a cultural barrier that typically existed between Jews and Samaritans. 
And so this was unusual that and she recognized, why is this Jewish man talking to me? Um, but just, uh, there was, there were several barriers, but, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on those barriers, but essentially Jesus is God himself. He begins to have a conversation with this woman who had bounced from relationship to relationship to relationship. And Jesus knew her story because he was God. It's like, imagine interacting with someone who knows everything about you. Well, that's how that conversation went. And he starts offering her uh, more than just physical water. See, they're at a well and they're drawing water. And Jesus says, I have water, living water. And you'll never thirst again if you drink of this water. And he's talking about life. If she'll follow Christ, God can bring such a change in her life that she would no longer um, be looking for sources of, of refreshment and hope again, that she could be fully refreshed in Christ. And so when she's talking to Jesus, it's like God is stirring her heart and she wants to know more. And Jesus leaves this conversation with, without really giving her any action steps on, on how to follow him. But she, she is, um, she's convinced that she wants to know more about him. And so here's how part of that story, you can check out the story fully in John chapter 4. But around verse 28 it reads, Then the woman left her water jar. She had this stimulating conversation with this man who knew everything about her and offered this living water. It says she left her water jar. She went into town and she told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Again, she's, is this the Savior? It says they left their town and they made their way to him. Now the reason is because everyone knew this woman, she had some, she had some relationships and people knew her story. They knew the, the woman that she had been. And now here's, here's the story of, of this woman whose life seems to be right on the edge of change. And she's met the Messiah, she believes. And so she's inviting the town. Now she somehow has the influence over people because for her life, for her to be taking this encounter so seriously, um, it must have been something that others needed to investigate for themselves because people knew her story and again pairing invitation with story is really important now later and we see in the in the scripture other invitations but i want to highlight a few invitations first of andrew then of philip and then now this woman who's inviting the whole town to come and meet the man who knew more than the average person maybe this is the messiah again these three different encounters highlight the power of invitation, of personal invitation. You know, in our lives, we have people that are close to us. And they're a few steps maybe from uh, church, but they know you and they trust you. They know your story. And if you took the time to invite them, who knows how God will use this. Now later, this invite culture became the central focus of Jesus' followers. So these early encounters in John is early on in Jesus' life and ministry. Well, after a three-year ministry, Jesus is crucified, and he rises from the dead, and he ascends into heaven. Just before he ascends into heaven, one of the last things he said uh, to his disciples was this. He told his followers this. They're the ones to carry on the Christian movement. They're the ones to spread the message of life in Christ. He pulls his, his closest followers, his followers together at this point, on a mountainside, and here's what he said. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He tells them, go therefore and make disciples. He's giving them 
their mission. Go therefore and make disciples. A disciple is what? It's a pupil. It's a learner. It's, it's actually a follower. Go therefore, make disciples. This is actually the, we call this the great commissioning of the church. Make disciples of all nations. That's, you know, of everyone. Every culture, tribe, tongue, nation. Baptizing them. And these, so the, the primary mission of either individual Christian or a, a group of Christians, a church, the primary mission is to make disciples. That is the thrust of what God wants us to do. That's the mission we're on, to make disciples. Well, the mark of a disciple is these next two points of this verse. What do you do with a new disciple? You baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an identifying mark. It is a it is a step or an act of obedience marking those who've chosen to follow Christ. So make disciples who then are willing to identify themselves as Christ followers. And then verse 20 reads, And then you teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. So what do you do with a new Christian? Well, you, you baptize them, and then you teach them Jesus' ways. You teach them what Jesus has commanded. Well, why is that? It's because disciples aren't hearers. They're, they're followers. They're doers. They're those who put into action the words of Jesus. And that actually takes us a lifetime to get Jesus' commands into our mind, into our heart, and into our lives. And then Jesus says this. He commissions them, makes disciples, baptizes them, teaches them to observe everything I've commanded. And remember, Jesus says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He promises his, to be with them. In his presence, in his, the Spirit of God comes to live inside Christians. He's, he's with us as we carry out our mission. So our mission at OCC, just a quick refresher again, is inviting people to take their next steps with Jesus. So that invitation piece is crucial, that we understand the power of invitation, how to pair that with our story. But then the second area of our mission that I want to highlight is the idea of next steps. We get this idea of next steps from these verses where it says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Now what is a step? Taking a next step. A step, and we know this, a step is, is this. It's an act or it's a movement of putting sort of one leg in front of the other in walking or, or running. We know this. And another thing we know is we were made for movement. We, we talk about baby steps with little children or even baby steps to change where we just realize it's just going to take a series of movements or actions to get you know, moving forward and making progress in life. And it, it's fun to experience that. It's fun to watch a little child move from a crawler to a toddler. When they, they, they're crawlers and they, they, they're shaky, but they push themselves up on like a coffee table or something or a chair and then, and you see and they're trying because they see everyone else taking steps. They see everyone else moving and they, they want to move like that. And so a little baby starts taking that first step and it's, and it's a joy to see them do that and then them balancing and then they take their next step. Well, we were made for movement. This, this is something that, that God desires, and he built us uh, t- to be moving forward. Now, steps are crucial for followers. Two steps in particular. The first one is that very first step. That first step away from uh, where we're at. That first uh, motion forward. And for when we're referring to with Christ, it really is that for the first time yielding my life to Christ. It's where I choose, where I commit. For myself to follow Jesus. 
It's where I decide I'm no longer trusting in my own goodness, my own good works, my own um, power to save me, my own um, abilities, my family, uh, and, and their goodness or their traditions. My first step with Jesus is, is something only I can respond to God's offer of grace. But that first step is crucial, that I actually yield my life to Christ. It is that point of becoming a disciple and choosing for myself to do so. But then another step, the second step, is next steps. So you have the first step, and then you have next steps. And that's really a series of us choosing to obey Christ's commands as a pattern. So maybe this is you're watching this and you're thinking about, you know, I have become a Christ follower and I've become his disciple. I'm a Christian, but I've really not begun to obey Christ's commands as a pattern. I, 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 I've really slowed down in my obedience, maybe stalled out in my obedience. And so if you've identified that, then a big part of our mission at OCC is to help people to keep considering what are their next steps and and how Christ commands we, we need to get into the Bible and and keep taking steps forward. We need to get his commands into our lives so then we can take action. And if you're working with people, if you're coming alongside people and you've invited people to come around, you're if you're a Christ follower and you've invited others to explore Jesus, Christianity, even church life here at OCC, then you want to be thinking about what where are they at? Is it that they need their first step? They need to move away from holding on to something else and take a step forward? Or is it that that they're stalled out and maybe the, the, the role you play is praying that you that God would help them take next steps and you can be a part of that? Now, what stalls out next steps? Either in my life, in your life, or, or for the lives of those we've been inviting to follow Christ. There's a few things. One is this. It's my crowd. It's that group of people around us. It's that close community of people we do life with. That can stall um, our moving forward. It's where we lose focus. It's where we maybe, through our crowd, we get sidetracked. Oftentimes it's because uh, the core pattern of the group we run with, that crowd we run with, is not maybe moving in the direction that pleases God. It's not in line with Christ's commands. And so the crowd can stall. The crowd we run with can stall our growth. Or we could just compare ourselves to the people beside us and that can cause us to stop taking steps of obedience and instead start taking steps of of comparison in order to um, maybe feel better about our lives in relationship to the, the crowd we're running with. And so comparison can quickly take us off track. But that's all tied to the crowd. Another area of that can stall our next steps is our emotions. Mine and your emotions. Our emotions can cause us to lose heart, meaning it, there's all sorts of crippling emotions that can seize us. And if we don't have a strategy for working through emotions, we can just get stuck. And, and life can be moving forward and we're just frozen through emotion. A third area is opposition. As you move forward in, in your relationship with Jesus, you can anticipate and ought to anticipate opposition from, from God's enemy. Satan seeks to block our forward progress and motion. And so he works to discourage us, to distract us. But opposition, often it just causes us to lose courage. Courage is, is one definition of courage is 
I keep moving forward. When we get discouraged, we stop moving forward. And so there's a, a need to be aware of opposition. And when you find yourself discouraged, you need a lot of, you need a lot of prayer. And you might need to reach out to some other people for prayer because that, that stall in, in, in growth and in obedience, um, you need a breakthrough. A fourth area that could stall next steps is patterns of sin. It's where we just get stuck in old ways. We think about, here's our story and this is who I was and, but then we make, we meet Christ and we're moving on. Well, sometimes the old ways, uh, they call out to us and we answer those. Uh, temptations and we step backwards we find ourselves stepping into sin and maybe we find ourselves as a pattern again of being stuck back in old sins and so i would just encourage you rather than staying there because you will lose motivation if you're stuck in a pattern of sin you'll think what's the point not good enough well you can you can start entertaining all sorts of lies and wrong thoughts like what's the point i'm not good enough and the reality is uh (laughs) that's a crippling a series of thoughts because the truth is you aren't good enough and I'm not good enough. And God knew that about us. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, who was perfect and was tempted in all ways that we are, but yet he never sinned. And so he gives us a relationship. He makes a way for a relationship with God to be formed and established. So with all those areas that could stall out our next steps, that that's all tied to this part of the passage there in Matthew 28, 19 and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. See, this is a major part of our mission. So if you're on the inviting side, you want to keep this in mind. If you've been invited, maybe you're newer to exploring Christianity, this is the ongoing aspect of of spiritual growth, that that we continue to learn Jesus' ways and just keep stepping towards them. So we've talked about invitation, talked about next steps. One final thought is that changes that last come through Christ Jesus. As a church, we're inviting people to follow Jesus. We're not inviting people to just follow us as individuals. We're not saying, or follow you as an individual. We're, we're inviting people to follow Jesus. Now there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 where a man named Paul says, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, there is a sense in which if you're following Christ, then you can set an example for people to follow and that's really a powerful example. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that they are following Christ, that the people you're inviting to explore Christ or to take step at that first step towards him and then take next steps, it's that they're moving towards Jesus and his ways, his commands. We don't want to form dependencies on us as individuals or even our organization. We want to help and see ourselves as those who are coming alongside and partnering with others. But Jesus is the only one who can save. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, he, he actually has the power to bring real life change so people can experience um, the goodness of God in a real, growing relationship with him. I want to encourage you to keep taking steps towards Jesus, to form a real relationship with Christ. You know, we can help. We would love to help you move forward in that. Uh, let us know on your digital connection card how we can serve you, how we can clarify what this looks like to connect with Christ. If you're already a Christ follower, then we would encourage you to take this mission and, again, maybe consider breaking this mission down, inviting next steps and to Jesus, and think through some specific steps of response. Uh, three in particular. The first one is to write a few words from your own story. Maybe just a few keywords even. Like, think through what are the keywords that would help jog 
me sharing my story with another person. And you might think in terms of who I was before Christ, how I came to know Christ, and then the the changes that he has made. So past point in time when Jesus came into my life, and then what's the changes he's brought. But think through the key words to help you sort of just get comfortable and familiar with sharing your story. The second thing is to pray for openness and courage. Uh, this is for both sides. We need courage to be a person who is an inviting person, that, that we're including and inviting people to come around and explore. And that takes courage on our part, but also openness. We're praying for openness on the, on the part of the person who is on the other end. And so I would encourage you in that. And then last, just to get even more specific, who's God asking you to invite around to our church? Maybe jot down for yourself and think through, who is that one person that really needs to hear the message of hope that is found in Jesus? And as a group, how can we, a community, be really linked and united towards helping people come to know him? There's all sorts of strength and power as we work together on that goal of introducing Jesus to others. So let, let's pray as we wrap up. Father, thank you for uh, the, the, your word and how you strengthen us, Lord, as we connect to your truth. Um, how we can find our lives, find all sorts of uh, value and purpose beyond just uh, the things that the world chases after and things that we might dream up or think up, but that these things we're looking at have eternal significance because people live forever and they really matter. Thank you for the role you have us playing in, in sharing uh, Jesus' story with others. Thank you for the people you've placed in our lives. Help us to take account of the opportunities that we have around us uh, to to begin to and further uh, be used by you to help people know you and have their lives changed for all eternity. So we thank you for our time and pray you'd, you would be the one to lead us to the steps of action and obedience we ought to take today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.